Did you know that you can live a life that's even better than the highest rank your company has to offer? My name is Emily Gibson. I'm a master network marketer and a certified life coach. There is more beyond the rank. And if you're willing to go with me, I can show you how. Let's go. Hello, 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 everybody. So excited to catch up with you today. We are having a heck of a time with our youngest child. He, a couple weeks ago, he, well, he started first grade this year. We, I made him wait to start kindergarten because he was supposed to tar- start kindergarten in the fall of 2020, which was not a great time to be starting kindergarten. Schools had just gone back to in person, but they were shortened days and all of the kids were in masks. And I just felt like he was already so behind and developmentally delayed that it just wasn't the right time for him to start. Plus, because he was so developmentally delayed and he wasn't potty trained and he was already five, he was required to go to the special ed classroom, which was not the right place for him. But that's how the school district works, right? Like you have to be potty trained to go to kindergarten. And if you're not potty trained and you're five, then you have to be in diapers and you have to go to the special ed classroom. And that was just not the right place for him because even though he is delayed, he is not so delayed that he shouldn't be in the mainstream classroom. So I just decided, you know what? We'll just wait one year to start kindergarten. He's a boy. He has a June birthday anyway. This is going to be totally rigged in his favor to be a little bit ahead of everyone. So we made him wait for kindergarten. He started kindergarten the following year in 2021. Now in 2022, he went into first grade. We did ABA therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy, every therapy money could buy. And got the hard news that he is not doing well. And this was really hard for me because I had spent the six years prior putting so much time, energy, and resources into like believing that everything we were doing, like in my mind, I just, I had this belief that if we spent as much money and did as much modality and as much uh, therapy that when he walked into first grade, we could just be right back on track. And we aren't. So we had parent-teacher conferences a couple of weeks ago and he is below grade level. He's not reading where he should be. He has social skill issues. He is not following directions, all the things. And I instantly felt regret because the pediatrician has been encouraging me to start Dean's ADHD medication. During 2020, we had a neurological, full neurological exam done for him. He was exhibiting some behavior that for me, I have my degree in elementary education and was a school teacher for many years before I was a stay-at-home mom. And I have an oldest son who has been diagnosed with ADHD as well. And we've medicated him since he was five. But Dean, the baby, (laughs) he was so much harder for me to medicate because 
I just didn't feel like it was the right time yet. I didn't have that same drive to medicate him at age five like I did with Brennan. Now, things were different with Brennan. He was walking through the house, like punching his sister in the face just to see what it felt like. He was telling us again, age five, mom, why do I try so hard? And I'm still so bad. I just want to kill myself. And at age five, when you hear that from your child, so many days in a row, you're like, it's time to medicate. So you just do it. And he went from getting straight F's to straight A's overnight. It was magical. So when Dean was diagnosed with ADHD and then two other learning disabilities when he was five, I thought, well, I questioned the neurologist, right? I know more than a a neurologist. It's so funny, honestly, to me. (laughs) But when we did the neurological exam, she, we were mainly trying to rule out autism, right? And I, that was the biggest thing that I wanted to know is, is this child autistic? Is he high functioning autism? And so that's what we were looking for. And she was like, no, there's absolutely no way. He makes eye contact. He shows empathy. He looks you in the eyes. He's very nurturing. He's very um, loving. And autistic children don't do that. He doesn't fit in the box at all. He checks none of the boxes. And on the, it was like a two day, um, eight hour test. And so on the second day of her doing that, and he would like come out and have breaks cause he could only, you know, do the test for so long, but it was more like she was playing games with him, but really testing him. But he thought he was playing games all day and he was getting little snacks and treats along the way. Anyway. So at the end of the second day, we're wrapping things up. And I was like, do you think he has ADHD? And she said, no, nope. There's nothing that leads me to believe that. And I was like, could you just do a few tests? And she said, sure. And she came back out and she said, he totally has it. And I just never believed it because I felt like I talked her into it. And so all through kindergarten, I worked with the kindergarten teacher and I was like, you let me know if he becomes an outlier in the classroom. Cause I know, right? Like the way that you can tell that a child really does have some sort of an issue that's not developmentally appropriate is as the school year goes on, they become an outlier in the classroom, right? And so I, all year I was asking her and we've, I've had um, two of my other kids have the same teacher. She is a phenomenal kindergarten teacher, the best of the best. It's exactly who you want your child to have in the classroom because she's just a master teacher. And so all year long, I was asking her, you know, how's he doing? How's he doing? Are we on, is he on grade levels? Everything going okay? How's he doing? He's doing great. He's doing great. No, he's totally fine. What about ADHD? Are you seeing anything? No, no, no. He's exhibiting totally age appropriate grade level behavior. Okay. 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 So I decided to not medicate him in kindergarten. All the while the pediatrician is saying, I really think you ought to medicate him. Like this is definitely ADHD. Even just the small amount of time that he saw Dean in the pediatrician's office for well check visits or whatever. Um, he would say, Emily, like this is, he, he's like, you don't know what's not ADHD because you've lived with it with your first child. And Brennan's like off the charts ADHD. And so he was like, you think this is normal because you don't know any different. He's like, and he said, you're a rare mom that can function in chaos. He's like, most moms, they would be on the edge of a nervous breakdown where you just sit and you think it's normal for them to jump all over everything and scale the walls. 
And he is not wrong. That is right. I have a super high tolerance for the chaos of it because it's been my life for 15 years. So with Brennan. So I have just not felt like the time was right to medicate. I had never had that that same like immediate urgency to medicate him like I did with Brennan because Brennan was punching his sister and he was telling us that, you know, that he didn't want to live anymore. Age five, like it was an easy decision. I was like, yep, we're in, medicate him, right? And with Dean, I just kept saying, we'll just, we'll just, we'll see. We'll know when the time is right. I don't think the time is right. I'm not even convinced that he really has it. Look, he can focus for hours and hours and hours on Legos and Brennan could never do that. Like, I don't think he really has it. And then parent-teacher conferences a few weeks ago, the first grade teacher says to me, he is below grade level. He is very far behind. I'm very worried about him. He's rolling all over the floor. He can't stay focused. And I said to her, and again, teachers are actually like that. We're not, we are not supposed to like tell people if we think their child has a disability because we're not a neurologist, not even a pediatrician can like technically say it. He can't diagnose it. You have to be a neurologist to diagnose something like that. But I was like, off the record, speak freely to me as a teacher to a teacher, as a mom to a mom, what is happening here? And she's like, I think he would benefit. We need more focus, right? And so I immediately felt regret, like so much regret. And I started crying because I have worked so hard to get Dean to this point to where he doesn't have these struggles anymore. And I felt like I could fix it with therapy. I felt like we could focus hard enough, fast enough, long enough to beat it. And maybe we can, right? Long story short, I started him on his ADHD meds the next day. It's too early to tell, in my opinion. It just takes time. Even Brennan, it took several months to find the right medication although he did, his grades did go up literally overnight. Uh, but it, there was a period of time where we were searching for the right dosage and the right med that worked for him. And so with Dean, we just started at ground zero, <laughs> right back. Like the same med that we started Brennan on when he was little, we are doing one for Dean. It's a chewable one, which is kind of cool. It's an extended release chewable one, which they didn't even make 15, well, 10 years ago when Brennan started taking meds, they didn't even make this kind back then, I don't think, or I didn't know about it at least. So anyway, we started on his meds. And as I coached myself in my self-coaching around this circumstance, which was parent-teacher conference, and I felt regret, right? like. I literally coach myself every single day. I do a thought model every single day. The biggest problem of my day, I put it in the model and I look at what's my circumstance? What's my thought? What's my feeling? What are my actions? What's my results? Right? And you hear me talk all the time about life being 50-50, 50% positive and 50% negative. And I had this major realization self-coaching myself through this particular circumstance. And that was, is when I put it in the model, my circumstance was parent-teacher conferences. My feeling was regret. So I wrote those two things down because they were really easy to see. And then I asked myself, why am I feeling regret? And my thought was, I should have started his meds sooner. I should have known better. 
Those are two thoughts, but they were sort of like in the same wheelhouse. So I'll allow it for myself in my self-coaching sometimes. I won't allow it when you're on a call with me and I'm coaching you one-to-one inside of my community because it's really important to keep those clean models. But in my self-coaching, I give myself a little bit more leniency sometimes. And I thought, oh my gosh, I should have done more. I could have prevented this, right? I felt regret. And from regret, this is the key. This was the aha moment. From regret, I started his meds. Now, at the time, I thought, oh my gosh, that was so reactive. Is that really what I wanted to do? And I was like, that, that's why I put it in the model, right? Is I immediately started them on the meds. And then that day, I was like, let's look at this model. Let's look at what we did here, right? And I noticed I put them on the meds. I told the teachers they would have all the support. We continue to read to him every day. We continue to buckle down. We do all these things. I messaged the pediatrician. I let him know that Dean started his meds and we might need to increase the dose, blah, blah, blah. And my result is I finally took action that I've been wanting, that I've been hesitant to take. And I thought that was not what I expected to find in my self coaching. See, the thing about negative emotions is, and I've I've said this before, when I talk about fueling your gasoline tank with more efficient emotions, sometimes positive emotions can fuel our gasoline tank better, more efficiently, not better, more efficiently than negative emotions, right? One's not better or worse. One's not good or bad. But most of the time, well, not even most of the time, sometimes a positive emotion can more efficiently fuel your gas tank of life, right? If you're feeling confident, then sometimes you can craft a message and take action in your business that you wouldn't efficiently do as efficiently do as if you're feeling insecure or scared or doubting or doubt, right? However, one thing that I think we totally underestimate as human beings And in the coaching community, I'm going to start talking about this a lot more with my clients because this was such an aha moment for me. But one of the things we totally underestimate is how negative emotions sometimes are more efficient than anything else to drive our actions to exactly what we need to be doing. For example, when I felt it, It wasn't until I felt regret that I finally took action. Why had I not taken action a year prior? I had the prescription the entire time. I had the neurologist that told me, no, I didn't believe that he actually had ADHD. So what did my brain do? It looked for evidence that he didn't need it. And I felt calm and indifferent. And from calm and indifference, I took no action. I just let it go. It wasn't until I felt regret that I took the action that my child needed me to take. It wasn't until I felt regret that I started listening to the very important information that my body had to give me, which was to take action to give my child the medication that he needed to be successful. Now, Until I put that into the model, I was actually beating myself up. 
I was feeling really sorry for myself. I was crying. I was thinking I should have done this sooner. Why did I do this? This is so awful. Like I, I should have just done it when the pediatrician told me to, I shouldn't have waited. I did all that for like half a day. But when I put it into the model, this is why self-coaching yourself. And if you can't self-coach yourself, this is why everybody needs a coach. Because sometimes you think, oh, I felt regret. That's a bad emotion. I shouldn't feel that. I shouldn't be feeling regret. I should, I should feel, I shouldn't feel badly. You totally should. You should totally feel badly. You should totally feel regret. Wouldn't it be weird if you didn't? Find a coach that's not going to talk you out of your emotions. The most important thing in finding the right coach is finding someone that's going to allow you to feel however you're feeling and show you what your brain is doing. And I hope that coaches me because this is why I am so good at my job because I'm a master certified coach and I have mastered, like I literally have the certificate because I am a master at this. I can help you find and see these things, right? And I can find it for myself. And that's what I'm sharing with you today, right? Is so often we try to tell ourselves, oh, like at first I felt regret. So I was beating myself up, right? And then I gave my child, I started giving him the medication or whatever. But when I put it in the model and I looked at what regret actually motivated me to do, instantly I dropped the guilt And I dropped the beating of self up because I saw that what I actually did from regret was something really great. And it came from negative emotion. I had to feel the negative emotion. If you're avoiding negative emotion all the time, what are you missing out on in your life? Lots. What are you missing out in your business? Lots. You're missing out on tons of success because sometimes you need to experience some intense motivate some intense negative emotion so that your body can finally take action to get yourself where it needs to be to have the success you're wanting so next time you're feeling negative emotion failure disappointment regret anger fear, whatever it is, ask yourself, what information is this emotion trying so hard to tell me? What do I need to listen to that my body is trying to give me this very important information? See, I believe that our thoughts are given to us by God. I believe that he made our brains to have thoughts and that our feelings are a roadmap for how he tells us which way to go, what to do, if this is the right way or if this is the wrong way. And when you feel regret, fear, disappointment, excitement, happiness, joy, success, whatever it is, motivated, accomplished, every emotion, whether it's negative or positive, it's trying to tell you something. What is it trying to tell you? When we skip over those negative emotions or we try to avoid them, we're missing very valuable information. What is the regret trying to tell you? The regret was trying to tell me it's time to take action. 
Let's go. I don't even need to beat myself up about it anymore. It was always supposed to happen this way. He was never supposed to start it sooner because I needed to know without doubt that it was time. And I got that answer a few weeks ago. Whatever answer you are seeking for yourself, I hope that you will allow your emotions to give you the very valuable information so that you can have that answer as well. Have an amazing week, guys. Bye now. Who is your life coach? If you don't have one, I would be so honored to be your coach. I've created a virtual program called Beyond the Rank that I want to invite you to join me in. We can address challenges, we can work on goals, and we can do it in so many different ways. We have group coaching, individual private coaching, and hundreds of hours of online courses and content that I'm creating just for you. When you're ready to take what you're learning on the podcast to the 10X level, then come check out Beyond the Rank at emilygibsoncoaching.com.